Hello, and welcome to Launch Legends, the only podcast focused exclusively on the stories behind internet marketing's biggest and best launches. Each week, we sit down with an online marketing expert to tell the story of one of their launches, what went well, what didn't, and how much cash they made. And now, your host, Hamad Akbar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Launch Legends. Today we're joined by Senya of Planable. Planable, a SaaS company right now, has 700 plus customers and they're growing every single month. Senya talks about how in the beginning they got a bunch of customers but they really struggled to scale after that. That really demotivated them. But they persisted and eventually launched an AppSumo that gave them the very much needed cash injection and customer feedback. And the company just took off from there. So there's a ton of value Senya provides in this interview. But before, if you're listening to this on a podcast, please rate and review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thank you. Hey, Senya, thank you very much for being on the show. It's really appreciated. So uh, great profile, uh, Forbes 30, under 30. And uh, you're building a great business, Planning Board. You've got over 700 customers. So... I would love to know who you are and uh, why you started Planable. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the on the show. Um, so I started Planable about four years ago. And before that, I had a social media marketing agency. I was in love with the advertising industry since I was a teenager, I think. I was always dreaming of working in, in the ad world, um, maybe own my own uh, agency, my own shop at some point in time. And that actually happened during my second year of university. I started uh, my first business, my first venture. I was building social media content plans for um, brands locally and regionally. And uh, that's when I learned a lot about the challenges that social media managers uh, struggle with when they build content, when they have to collaborate with other uh, colleagues and other stakeholders and companies. I realized how how messy and how chaotic the entire process of just aligning um, a team around the content plan is nowadays. It was all happening in uh, Excels and PowerPoints and email. And I felt it was just not the best way to work on moving and graphic and visual content, it was really, really hard to to gather feedback and centralize it. And I felt like me and my team and, and our clients were, you know, wasting more time on just the nitty gritty and the, the tedious, the boring, uh, rather than what we were supposed to do, uh, you know, just creative a strategy. And that's how, you know, Planable got started. Um, my two other co-founders, they have worked in the industry as well. Uh, they, you know, saw, saw their colleagues or have experienced the problem themselves. So, you know, we got together and decided that this needs to stop. We need to find a solution and marketers deserve to work a little bit better. Um, and yeah, I can tell you very quickly what Planable does for everyone that's you know, not familiar with the company. We're a collaboration platform uh, for social media teams, and we make it super easy for teams to prototype content so that they can actually visualize how their posts are going to look like in the end before publishing them, Um, collaborate with their team in a very uh, easy to use interface. Uh, So get from an, they can easily get from an idea throughout review, all feedback, collaboration, planning to publishing in the end. Um, So yeah, that's what I'm going to watch. Who's the ideal customer? 
Our customers are uh, two ideal profiles, uh, agencies who by default have a need for collaboration because they have to approve and, and discuss content plans with their clients before mm-hmm. moving forward with them. Uh, and on the other side, it's brand larger teams. So a larger headcount of, of social media managers or marketers that are involved in social and they need to discuss collaboration. Mm-hmm. They don't sit at the same table uh, probably so it's you know they need a, a tool to do that or they work from home nowadays so they need some somewhere to discuss those posts so Sonia, let's talk about your early days when you first started product development did you develop the product launch here and then work for the customers or you started in the beginning where you had customers lined up not like customers users lined up where you were talking to them and building the product at the same time what's the process like yeah not necessarily, no. I think we built the product with this uh, huge hope in ourselves and intuition uh, that this is going to work. It's crazy a bit now that you know I'm looking backwards and realizing how risky that was. Um, but we did it. We did it with this faith in, in the product that we had. I think it also helped that you know we were from the industry and we kind of knew how other agencies, other you know marketers are working. Um, it was risky because we didn't have experience how others from other countries from across the world were working. If that's, you know, a legit problem for, for them, for them themselves. Uh, but then we launched the product, the first, first version, and we, uh, had a few customer development interviews. So we only had like a few prototypes, just a few sketches that we, sh- we were showing to people. We were building the product in parallel, but at the same time, you know, showing a sneak peek. So, Senya, when you were showing the the sketches to, uh, customers, yeah. to customers, what was the feedback you were getting? Yeah, um, the feedback was pretty good. You know, people are very, um, I, I, I don't know how to say it, they're kind to people who are starting uh, companies. So, encouraging, of course. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I felt like uh, people were empathizing with the problem. I felt like, yeah, you know, this is actually that's correct. You know, this is a problem indeed in the space. Um, so that encourages us to keep moving. The reason I asked the question was because I experienced something very um, similar before where we showed the sketches to our early customers, potential customers, and they loved yeah. it. They loved the idea. They gave us feedback. And when we launched the product, and they never bought they, <laughs> they it. They would not use it because they, they were just too happy with whatever they were using at the same time, at that, that particular time. So even though we gave them something that would that would replace a ton of different applications yeah. and spreadsheets. They were just not willing to switch over. So there was a massive switching cost, which we didn't really anticipate. Yeah. They loved so, the idea, but they were too lazy to use it. Good, very good point. So there's this book called The Mom Test um, that you know teaches you about customer development and how you're supposed to ask questions like. Um, okay, this, you know, are you experiencing this problem? Okay, good, great. Uh, have you tried to solve it on your own? So that actually tells you, you know, if people are really, you know, struggling, or if the problem is really painful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, you know, tested anything out there? Uh, are you willing to pay for it, you know, and, and get some kind of like little commitment from them, you know, would you be willing to test it with this specific client or with this specific pilot so that, you know, you make them commit um, and it's called the mom test because if you go to your mom and tell her an idea, she's going to love it every single time. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to get people to commit to something if you want to get raw, honest feedback from them. 
So let, let me ask you this. Uh, even after doing all of that, do you get real feedback on sketches based versus a real product? Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, with sketches and prototypes, you just gauge the uh, interest and uh, you need to show people something. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really at a very early stage where you need to realize uh, how they're working, what are they using at the moment, are they struggling with the problem, what's you know the what's what's the the concerns that they're going through. So it's uh, the first phase of the discovery. With the product, it's more it's more like feedback on your product. Actually, the other one is more finding about them. Great, great. So when you launched the product, uh, what happened? Let's talk about your launch, the first MVP launch, first version. So the first version we launched it during a startup competition, actually, um, right before the startup competition, and we launched it on platforms such as beta page and beta lists, uh, mm -hmm. you know, forums like this for beta products. And we got a few subscribers. We got a few hundred, uh, I would say a couple, uh, three to 500 uh, users that were, you know, testing the product in the span of a couple of months. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, you know, a sign that, oh, this looks like something people might actually need. <laughs> we okay. might have, you know, the, all those months of work uh, might actually pay off. Um, that was the first thing that we did, uh, but it was not scalable. So it seems like we exhausted the entire user base that was potentially interested in our product from beta mm -hmm. page and beta lists and uh, other similar uh, websites. And the next step that we did was launch a product hunt, but that happened a few months after the initial oh, launch. Let's go back. Uh, when you had those three, 400 people who signed up, yeah. how many of those people actually ended up using the product? Just for an idea, because uh, uh, I know a lot of people sign up, but very few people use the product. It doesn't matter how good the product is. Yeah. So what was the issue? So back then, we were probably not that good at analytics and funnels and all of those things that we've been for Planable. Um, but I know that it's two or three actually end paying when we, when we, you know, introduced monetization for the product. Um, okay. I, I would say that a very small percent actually stuck with us out of those that tested us initially. But I know that mm -hmm. one or two of them actually ended up being lifelong, you know, customers of ours, uh, which is not a bad outcome, I would say. Great, great. So what does the product look like from the point you launched the first version till the point you launched on Product Hunt after all that customer feedback and usage? Yeah, so we added more features. We um, you know, integrated with more platforms. Uh, I think initially we just launched with Facebook. Uh, mm -hmm. We had It was very broad, the product. You just had the option of like, connecting, connecting the Facebook page, creating posts, and mm -hmm. uh, just you know, commenting on those posts, like leaving feedback on them, leaving notes. And then between that moment in time and then, you know, the launch on Product Hunt, we added more uh, networks. We added Twitter and, and Instagram and LinkedIn, and mm -hmm. we really improved the collaboration process. We made mm -hmm. it a bit more sophisticated, the comment section, uh, the approval system as well. Um, I don't remember if we already had the calendar, uh, with the product launch or if we added it afterwards. I think we did. I think we had 
we introduced a module where we could actually plan uh, posts in a calendar view, not just in a feed view. So we really improved the platform quite a lot. But we already had those features in mind, even when we launched on, 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 you know, on uh, beta pages and, and beta lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already knew that this is something we need to have. I think um, the user feedback was good because it was validating uh, mm-hmm. what we had in mind, you know, what our intuition, what our gut was saying to us. Great. So how did the product hunt launch go? That was pretty good. So we launched, uh, you know, you have to have like the hunter, you know, the, the posts yeah. you on product hunt. And we had uh, the CEO of Marvel app, which mm-hmm. is a collaboration platform for designers. And that was great. Just, you know, um, mm-hmm. match made in heaven. <laughs> and he launched us, uh, Murat. Uh, yes, that was his name. He launched us on product hunt. Um, and we ended up being third product of the day. Um, and we got, I think, uh, about 1200, uh, upvotes. Um, mm-hmm. we got a few customers, a few paying customers, five to 10 paying customers, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was pretty good. Uh, it was probably a bit better than we expected. On the other hand, you know, we didn't get like, um, press or media mentions, nothing fancy, you know, we didn't get on TechCrunch and stuff like that, that some other startups get when they launch on, on, on product. How, how many signups did you get? I, I don't remember. I remember paying, paying customers. <laughs> uh, so I remember we had about five to 10 paying customers. So would you recommend someone who's listening to this to launch on product hunt? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, if, if there is a fit, um, you know, for us, there is no like hundred percent fit with product hunt because it's, mm-hmm. it's for developers uh, you know, people that really are into products, uh, they, they do not necessarily have like a super, super strong marketing mm-hmm. community, but we still launched and we got, you know, pretty good results. So if there's, you know, if, if your audience is there at least partially, I mean, it's a free network, um, you know, why not? At least, you know, people will notice you and um, they might recommend it to someone else that might be a better fit. So definitely worth it. Great. So you've gone from few paying customers to over 700 now. Um, What worked for you? What happened? Um, So between Prada Hunt and our next step, uh, we actually had quite a bad uh, uh, period of time for ourselves uh, as as founders. Uh, We were not scaling at all. We couldn't figure out what to do next. And it was a bit, you know, it was... uh, a bit demotivational for us because we mm-hmm. spent quite a lot of time building the product and lots of hope and lots of energy poured mm-hmm. into it. And mm-hmm. we were not managing to grow our revenue. Um, mm-hmm. So we were willing to try anything at that point. And what we tried next was launching on AppSumo. Um, okay. uh, for uh, folks that are not familiar with AppSumo, it's a platform of lifetime deals where, you know, as a product maker, you put your product there, um, you give, you know, uh, people an option to buy it with a one-time fee, and mm-hmm. you give, you know, a limited version of your product. So we put our product there, we put Planable and AppSumo, um, people were paying 40 to $50 for a lifetime fee <laughs> to get, um, to get like, one of our uh, limited plans, probably the uh, smallest one. Um, and the you know we were not expecting anything. Um, we didn't what have like, high expectations. Same when was that? I think that was t- two thousand eighteen. Yes, two thousand eighteen. So. And 
how did you approach them? Did they approach you or you had to go up to them and say, look? I don't remember. I, I honestly don't remember. I think they approached us and we were like, yeah, hell yes. You know, we're going to try it. We don't have anything to lose at this point. <laughs> I know for some people that really kickstarted the company and really good yeah. revenue. That was the starting point for them. But for some people, it just didn't work at all. Well, it didn't yeah. work. It did work, but it worked in a negative way where the company mm-hmm. got such bad press and feedback that it just didn't go anywhere. So how did you prepare for the AppSumo launch to make sure that nothing broke down? I'm sure some well, of you did, but I'm sure... Uh, yeah, that's it. a good question. So we didn't prepare that much because we didn't know that it's going to be that big. We had, as I mentioned, no expectations whatsoever. We read a few articles about people that launched products and we we're like, you know, articles, people made 200,000 with AppSumo. And I was like, now there's something there's something shady about this. It's, it doesn't make any sense. So I didn't take it seriously. I felt like it's, you know, how can you make 200K in a few couple of weeks? I mean, and that was the number that they made, but, you know, you give a, a quite a big chunk to AppSumo. So they made less, but still, you know. Um, so we didn't really prepare. I think, you know, we prepared, like, we put a few servers up just to make sure that it doesn't crash or anything like that. But... We, you know, we didn't expect it to be as big as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we spent, you know, the first couple of now- nights we were, you know, uh, we had like shifts of customer support between uh, myself and, and the founders and the app crashed. I have to be honest, it did crash at some point, but just like for a couple of minutes and we put it, you know, back up and the volume, the traffic was in- just insane, just an insane amount of traffic. It was really the comments and the support was just so hard to maintain because people was just, it was just so many comments. <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many customers and codes did you get in the end? Well, how many codes did you sell and how many, yeah. how many customers did you get in the end? So we didn't do it. We didn't allow people to buy multiple codes. We didn't allow stacking. So people could only buy one code. So one code, one, code, one customer. And we got about... Um, 3,000, 3,500, 3, I would say, wow. uh, customers. Yeah. And what was the total revenue? Uh, I think we got about 50K from that. And that was 30%. So 200 and something. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Fairly big launch. Fairly big yeah, fairly big launch. Uh, but, you know. Uh, Absomo takes 70%. They were taking back then 70% uh, when we launched. Mm-hmm. So we got, you know, the rest 30% and that was about 50K. Um, right. But, uh, you know... I think more than, the, more than the funding that you got, it was yes. the kind of customers you got, right? Yes. How did that impact your business? So that, that is 100% correct. So besides this being a very good cash injection and almost uh, an angel level ticket size, Um, you also get people that passionately write about you on social media and they spread the word and they write articles about you and they recommend you. Some of them ended up being, uh, subscription, recurring, uh, subscription customers, you know, they needed to upgrade to something and they, you know, stayed with us and they built our MRR and some, some others, you know, just the entire buzz that, you know, was created around us brought us, uh, you know, new customers outside of AppSumo that were paying, you know, a monthly subscription, which was, you know, that point, you know, that was, you know, the moment that propelled us and we never stopped growing exponentially since then. 
Um, wow. You know, before that, like the beta and the product uh, uh, hunt, that was about a year, I would say, where we were, you know, trying to put it on its feet. And then mm-hmm. we launched with AppSumo. Um, we also hired our first uh, marketing person, our current head of marketing, and she's amazing. So that might, that definitely helped a lot. Mm-hmm. So those two things correlated and, you know, together, I think is what helped us, you know, Really, really I think that's a great lesson there where you had, I mean, it took a long time to get to AppSumo launch where you had a cash injection, but like you said, you had a rough time figuring out what yeah. you guys do to scale, but you didn't give up. You kept doing it. Yeah. You <laughs> right? So yeah. what's, what other growth channel has worked since AppSumo? Are you doing any content marketing, any paid, paid or anything like that? Yeah, so we've been growing for the past two years almost entirely based on content marketing. We recently started, I think in the past two quarters, we we really started ramping up our paid efforts as well, mostly Google search, to be honest. Um, But in terms of the growth, it it has been fueled just by content marketing and social and, um, you know, everything that we've been building in terms of thought leadership. Great, great. Senia, one last question. So if someone's watching this and thinking, okay, I'm starting my business and they're right in the early stages and they're looking at you and they're thinking, okay, uh, Senia's done it and she's persisted and she's uh, really taken off that. What advice would you give them? What advice? Yeah. It's a good one. I think... Put it this way, if you were starting out again, what would you do differently? I would move faster. Um, I think with AppSumo, for example, we could have launched um, earlier than that. You know, we could have, you know, launched potentially six months earlier than that. Mm -hmm. So I think um, don't be afraid would be the advice. Just don't be afraid of... There is no brand reputation to lose there because you don't have it at that point yet. <laughs> there is nothing. You don't have, there's very little you can lose. Um, so just don't be afraid and just, you know, break things. Don't be afraid to break things. I think that would right. be like my advice. Right. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for being on the show and I wish you good luck for the future. And I hope I see you again. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. That was great. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Launch Legends. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and share more online marketing launch stories, please search for Launch Legends and your favorite podcast listening app. And then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.